0: Would you welcome Mike Norton, our speaker for tonight? Let me pray for us tonight. Father, thank you for uh, this continued time to worship you in spirit and in truth. Thank you for your word. It provides truth in our lives. Thank you for raising up Mike for a time such as this. Uh, May the words of his mouth bless us, Lord, as you've given him words to speak. May your Holy Spirit guide him, give him the boldness, the anointing, the power that he needs to share your word with us tonight. And may each heart here tonight be open, Lord, Help there to be no resistance to the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives. Thank you, God, for what you and you alone can do in moments like these, and that's move our hearts to be uh, made soft and to make decisions. We thank you, God, for the things you will do tonight through him. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen, amen. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks for the invite. I wouldn't have come up so soon if I thought that introduction would have been that long, but it's good to be... It's good to be back. This is something of a of a uh, a comeback for Sue and I. And as as Kevin mentioned, uh, our kids kind of grew up through their elementary and high school years uh, while we were in and around Bay Shore. And as things happen, and we live uh, you know a hundred miles away, uh, uh, you know we haven't been around as much. But all of those kids are are uh, grown and out of college and in their jobs and married and having kids of their own and. And, uh, and Sue, uh, her vision for our family is to be back together at Bayshore Camp. And uh, this is the first of, of that. And so we're excited to have some of our kids, all of our grandkids are with us tonight and we're going to, uh, we're going to, uh, to cherish what is like uh, a reunion for us here. So uh, let me tell you that when I was in um, uh, fifth grade in Manistee, Michigan, I was in the band. Um, they allowed band uh, in the in elementary school in those uh, in, in that school district And and uh, how many of you were in band in your uh, you know in your education? Okay, good And so in our band um, uh, I'm not deeply experienced as you'll find out as the story goes on, but we had chairs uh, You had your can I have I really do need some chairs here. Could you help me? I need to hand me three chairs Would you um, we had chairs in the band um, The first chair, the first chair was uh, the uh, the the person who was the best. They they knew what they were doing, and they uh, and 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 they defended challenges against the rest of the band, the rest of the band members. Did you have these challenges in your bands? And uh, and so uh, if you thought you could uh, you could be better than the first chair or any chair that was above you. Uh, one more, yeah. Um, then you could uh, you could challenge them. The band director, poor Mister Salomone would have to listen to uh, to that playing. And uh, and if you were better in your you know in your instrumentation and your timing and so on, uh, you could be that. Uh, the the second uh, the second uh, Let's see, this would be better for you. the uh, The second chair was somebody who was, in my experience, pretty much copying the first chair. And the third chair, in our band they were kind, and they only had three chairs, and everyone else was just third chair. The uh, third chair were people like me. Now, my instrument was the trombone, and the trombone uh, was chosen for me because my uncle had one, and it smelled old and looked... <laughs> My, I think my parents foresaw how uh, ambitious or how committed I was going to be, and so they just borrowed a trombone. And, uh, and I was in the band for two years, and I never made it out of a uh, third chair. Never, never quite excelled, never clicked, the music never made sense, it was never in any way natural uh, to me. And uh, and I probably got what I deserved because the practicing and the ambition was was not there. Now, what I want to tell you uh, tonight, though, is uh, is a, is another is, a, is is another learning that I got uh, 25 years ago at a Promise Keepers conference in the Silver Dome here in uh, in Pontiac. Um, there were 80 or 90,000 men there. It was an amazing, amazing Christian conference. And one of the the speakers there, uh, who is still alive, uh, a great uh, Christian leader, Bruce Wilkinson. And um, and he he shared something that I've always hung on to and, and I think it will be helpful for us tonight, especially in a place like this where we're thinking about our heritage, we're thinking about Christians and believers and leaders whom we admire. We're thinking about our own lives and 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 our Christian progress, and and we're concerned with our children or the culture around us. Um, he shared something that I have remembered that. Uh, is insightful and gives us a, a context to literally understand a little bit about everyone who is around. And so um, let's go back. Uh, we can, we're going to illustrate this through uh, the Old Testament and, and, and characters and kings and, and, uh, and some of the, the prophets and, 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 and Pauline teaching and, and the Gospels and the Sermon on the Mountain. So many places it's evident in the scriptures, but let's go back to the, the first place that we see this. And, and this is in this, um, this hinge point between the, um, the exodus, the conquest, and then the period of the judges. Between Joshua and Judges. In fact, Joshua is the first person that, we'll, that I'll mention. Because Joshua, you know, is an admirable character. Joshua, son of Nun, he was one of the 12 spies who went into the the land just within weeks or maybe months of their escape from Egypt. Ten spies gave bad reports. We're like ants to them. We'll never make it. We'll never survive. They'll wipe us out. Only two... Caleb and Joshua said, yes, they're big, but it's a beautiful land, and God has given it to us, and we should go. They didn't go, as you know. But Joshua was one who would believe God and take him at his word, and and so a whole doubting generation died wandering in in the desert, and a whole generation that would follow Joshua was raised up. And the, this Joshua generation is the first one that we see and and uh, and so they they come out of that desert and they and they cross the Jordan River on dry land and straight away to Jericho where they march and the and the walls fall and and and, and God is glorified in everything that's happening. So, let's go back to, uh, to that. Uh, now, this is kind of in, in Joshua chapter 24. This is now, again, this hinge point between Joshua and Judges, the end of Joshua's and the Joshua generation, and those that followed after him. Joshua 24, um you know you you remember you know how uh, he, you know uh, Joshua says as for me and my house we will serve the lord that was the, that was really the the defining statement of this generation and and listen uh, they they're 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 recounting their life of faith uh, pick this up in uh, maybe verse 17 it was the lord our god himself who brought us and our fathers up out of Egypt, out of that land of slavery. He performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey among the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. So they knew the Lord and, and they had seen what he did. And so this is, this is the, the people that we admire so much. The Bible's full of these first chair kind of people. Daniel and, and Joseph and Elijah, you know, and they and 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 we 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 lift them up and we go, yes, you 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 show us the way. Um, you know there is a, there is this a second generation though. Now if we uh, if we if we follow this very quickly right on uh, into uh, Judges chapter two. Now Judges chapter one and chapter two are immediately what happens after uh, Joshua's death and 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 listen it to this it says the people served the lord throughout I, i'm in Joshua chapter 2 verse 7 the people served the lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who out, who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the lord had done for Israel okay they 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 knew the lord but they had only seen they had only heard of the things that god had done. They'd only heard of the things. And then the, 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 the biggest problem uh, with, this, with this generation is recorded in chapter 1 and chapter 2. And by my read, only about half of these tribes, as they went into the areas that were set, uh, set uh, described for them, would actually subdue the people. The rest of them kind of became neighbors kind of lived, moved in next door. Uh, they, did not fulfill, uh, they did not fulfill God's uh, will and his ambition for the place that they would live. So, so Joshua and his generation are, are committed. They, they knew the Lord. They did the works of the Lord. The, this generation that came behind Joshua, they knew the Lord. They had, they had seen or heard, they had heard of the works, but they were in their own life compromised. This is a very important word. You know, it's it's kind of both and. It's a a I believe but kind of a a thing. It's not disrespecting this. It's not fighting it, but it's it's tweaking it. It's it's calming it. It's, It's adjusting to it amazing how fast things happen here so in judges chapter 2 moving on to verse 10 it says after that whole generation had been gathered from their fathers another generation grew up bang 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 third generation from joshua now another generation grew up who knew neither the lord nor what he had done for israel isn't this crazy? In the sight, you know, uh, grandpa, dad, and son. In such a short period of time, these people didn't even know the Bible stories. They didn't know the Lord. They didn't even know what the Lord had done. There's a huge, huge disconnect from, this, from Joshua to his grandson. It's amazing how quickly things can slide. I think part of the example, and this isn't God's will for how this should have happened, is to remind us how quickly things can fall apart. That, that just, because, just because you're Joshua's son doesn't mean you're going to do the things that Joshua did. Or, or just because you're Joshua's grandson means that you're even going to believe God the way Joshua did. So, um, you may be thinking about people. Oh, and by the way, let me, let me say, commitment, compromise, this is conflict. This is conflict. Because not only did they not know the works of the Lord. Well, I forgot to read verse 12. They forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the people around them. They provoked the Lord to anger. They worshipped other gods. They they didn't even play fast and loose with with God. They worshipped other gods completely, and God was angry with them. Now, as I'm speaking, you may be thinking of people in your experience in your life, people that you've admired, people that stood out, people that stood tall. You You may be thinking about people who have been a little wishy-washy, a little soft, a little unconvinced, a little compromised, you may be worried about people who came from such a great heritage and seem to have got nothing happening with the Lord. You know, whenever we begin to talk about characteristics or qualities uh, in in a generation, in in even a person... Um it's easy to think about somebody else it's you might be wanting to put people that you know into these categories. It's not that helpful. The only person we really have much control over is our is ourselves and so and I want to pause and pray here at about a, a third through this message and 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 suggest that we ask God to use his word as a mirror for our lives. And we begin to think about what chair we should sit in. Let's pray, God. You, present by your Holy Spirit, working through your written word, inspired to be written, inspire it to be understood in our sight, in our hearing tonight. And, and Lord help us to see us as you do and and help us to know that uh, uh, that your your great love and your and your deep call for our life is never lost and uh, and the opportunity uh, to pick up and move forward is ours even tonight okay so um if we, were, if, we were, if we were putting this in Old Testament terms, uh, this would be the, the Jew, the true Jew. This would be the, someone who's Jewish, And this would probably be the Gentile, the pagan, the, the heathen over here in the third chair. Um, this is, this, this uh, sequence has been seen, by the way, in other places. King David, man after God's own heart, did great exploits for the Lord, Uh, You know, it must have been awesome. And then Solomon, come on, had all those wives worshiping on the high places, you know. And then who who was king after after Solomon? Rehoboam, bad seed. He he took the Lord's prophets and kicked them out. And he brought in his own prophets. Like, Like Paul says to Timothy, there will be a day when people seek the the teachers who will tell them what we want to hear. That's exactly what Rehoboam was sitting in the third chair. He did not know God or His works. So, um, you know, uh, if we were if we were talking uh, to uh, to Jesus about this, uh, we would have um, uh, the sheep, and I guess we'd have the goats. Right? we have the sheep and the goats. If we were, if we were talking with Paul, you know, you know, like 1 Corinthians, uh, uh, he would say we have the, um, the spiritual-minded, mature, meat-eating Christian, and we have the carnal, worldly, milk-drinking Christian, and we have the one who needs Christ still. Okay, so, you know, we, we see this over and over again. You know, we have, we have people who, who, Paul says, are called out of the world. They were aliens and strangers in this life. And, and then we have those who, who says, are spotted by the world. Or, he says, they are friends with the world. And to be a friend with the world is to be the enemy of God. And then we have those who are just Of the world. Of the world. Right. So, you know, there's so many ways uh, to think about this. But uh, you may be wondering why does it go this way? And and I'm not sure I have the answer, but it tends to go this way. You may be familiar with Bill Gothard. Bill Gothard's a great uh, teacher and you know, it has, it has a lot to do with character and, and, uh, and moral qualities. And, and here is what he warns parents. When he's doing his parenting teaching, he says, he says, parents, be careful what you do. Because whatever you do in moderation, your children will do in excess. Why is it that our children take our flaws and emulate, and not our best qualities. Don't you wish it were the other way? But it tends to be that way. Illustrate. So, David, David has, as far as we know, one adulterous affair. Solomon has 700 wives and 300 concubines. Wow. what What one does in moderation, the other does in excess. You know, it's, it's, un, it's an unfortunate uh, thing. It's, uh, you know, it, it explains uh, so much. You know, um, you know, you probably have said to yourself, I hope you can remember when you were a kid in your parents' house, uh, I'll never talk to my kids that way. I'll never say that. Do you, do you remember what, I remember one, and i said, and, and, we, and we say, I'll never say that to my kids. Um, I said, my, my, my dad says, quit crying or I'll give you something to cry about. <laughs> yeah, it, it, kids hate it when you say that. And I hated it and, and I said it. You know, um, we, we tend to repeat, amplify the generation before us its worst qualities. Our broken human nature is really working against us at this point. My mom used to own a a couple gift shops up in the Tawas area. And they had trinkets and decorations and things in there. And she had a a wall hanging, which was a kind of a foggy mirror. And you couldn't really see too much about what it said until you get up close. and, And it's kind of foggy around the outsides. And then your face is in the middle. And then it says, mirror, mirror on the wall, I'm my mother, after all. <laughs> yeah. She said she had that thing for three years and never sold it. You know, nobody wants to think about this. Nobody wants to repeat what, what they criticized their parents about. You know, every generation has got to choose to follow God for themselves. Um, you know, um, let's, talk, let's talk about the church. So, um, in the church, these, these people, remember, this is the chair of commitment. These people are committed. And so, you know, early in my ministry, somebody told me, well, Mike, you know that uh, 20% of the people do 80% of the serving, or 20% of the people do 80% of the giving. And, and I go, well, I don't know, whatever. Who could know that? Well, after 30 years of ministry, I'm kind of convinced it's the way I see it working. These people you know, are committed. This is my mission. This is my mission in life. This is my family. This is my connection to the work of God in the world. And, and they, they have such capacity. You know, somebody can't find one hour to be in the nursery, one Sunday a month, and, and these people, the more they serve, they're filled, they're energized, they're strengthened as they go. Oh, now, this generation, though, looks at the church as a, as a duty. It's, it's really because it's a generation of compromise. They're looking at it as one thing among many. One good thing, okay, it's a good thing. One good thing among many good things. You know, the, the, the pattern of church attendance Frequency that we're seeing uh, is is changing. And it's getting farther apart rapidly. In just a a few years, you know, we're seeing every three or every four weeks to be common among people we thought were pretty tight, pretty You know, I went to a conference and there were some pastors from, um, from North Carolina. This is a Bible Belt, and they have a good church. And they're telling us about some of the things they're doing and so on. And, and then it came up in there and said, do, ha- do, ha- do you have an issue with church attendance? And, and he says, we think that our very best people come about twice a month. Our very best. That's the best people they got in the Bible Belt are attending church about twice a month. And, and I don't see anything that different. From where I serve, this is the chair of compromise. Um, it's a chair of duty. This is a chair of love. This is a chair of uh, abundance and outpouring. And this is a chair of got to, should, ought to. And 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 when it comes to this chair, they 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 see they see. Now we, we got to get you know these have got to be farther apart at this point. They see the church as a clique. They're looking. Unfortunately, usually, these people are looking at the real deal through these people. A little, little cool, little lukewarm, right? Okay, if we wanted to go to, to John's revelation of Jesus, you know, this is the lukewarm. Oh, I wish you were hot or cold, he says. Unfortunately, if this is about 20%, of the population that we see, and this is about 80% of the population that we see, most of these people are looking through here at the church, and they see it as a clique, a club. They see it as a, a duty. They see it as irrelevant. They, you know, how, how unfortunate. When it comes to the word, the, the Joshua generation is, has convictions. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. But this generation has the, uh, they have, um, well, it's a a compromised view of that. They have something you might call beliefs. Have you ever said, well, here's what I believe. (laughs) Here's what I believe. Now, it's colored by the scriptures. It's similar to Christian belief or morality, but it may seem a little different. They have their beliefs. Uh, these people, you know what they have? Opinions. It's the most important thing to them. There's no authority outside of themselves. At least there's a little bit of authority. There's ultimate authority here. These people have no authority but what they don't think. I do what I feel. I, th- I think what I, I want, you know? And that's, that's, that's the way people, uh, people deal with it. You know, uh, chair one walks the walk. Chair two talks the talk. <laughs> yeah. Chair three, you know, does Neither, you know. Um, chair three makes their own path, you know. And to, to chair number one, worship is central. You know, wasn't worship central to, to David's life? He was, a, he was a poet, he was a musician, he was a worshiper. But, you know, um, worship was, is central to the chair one life. Well, work is central to, the, to this life. What did what did Solomon do? He built palaces and he built vineyards. He, you know, he was a, he, he was ambitious. Hey, let's give him that. And and what did he say at the end of the life? What a waste. But work is central, you know. Work and and money are very very important, you know, to uh, to the, to that second uh, chair. So. There's, there's so many ways, you know. Chair one is God. Chair two is God and me. And chair three is just about me. Chair one is, you know, I walk by faith and not by sight. Chair two is, is faith with sight. Okay, come on, you know, let's, let's just be real. Let's be realistic about this. Chair three is sight only. They only believe what they can see, you know. Chair number one, that chair of commitment is, uh, is known for its obedience. Uh, chair number two is partial obedience. The, the, the generation after Joshua did half the job. And they created a huge problem for the rest of history. Still today, fighting over Jerusalem, aren't they? The Holy Land, still today. That was meant to be settled a long time ago. And then this this is out and out disobedience. This is calling good evil and evil good. There's no there's no connect, you know, to the to the uh, to the first chair. So um, let's do this. Um, let me let me let me finish this message by talking a little bit about each chair and what do we do? Now, I don't know if you're thinking yet about what chair you, you're closest to, kinda in the gap, one cheek on one, half off the other, I don't know, you know. There, this isn't a hard line, these are, these are images and ideals, but let me just talk to, to chair number one people. Have you, have you thought of people that you admire people that you that that have encouraged you people that you want to be like people that you want to do what they have done maybe you're that kind maybe you say more than the other two i'm i'm there i'm i'm there i'm pretty sure i'm there except for one thing you know the the kind of the humility that the lord would would grow in you <laughs> makes you doubt it yeah the the flaws and the the little failures and the just tiny doubts and so on, but you know, uh, uh, maybe you uh, have uh, have seen answers to prayer, and you've taken your leaps of faith, and you've and you've fought um, your battles. Um, but let me ask you: Is it historic? Is it back when you were? younger when you were maybe in in college in youth group uh, what about lately is there a testimony of what you've committed to what you're what you're what you're desirous of what you're engaged in what you're waiting for what you're obedient to that's today you know the the idea here is is that and this is true of human nature. The longer we sit in any place, the more comfortable we get with it. And that's not such a bad thing if you're in chair one. You're familiar with the things of God, you're doing the things that, that are honorable and, 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 and bring His blessing. But what about lately? Is your, is your testimony getting a little dated? You know, you may be thinking that you are in retirement or you've done your piece, or you have your testimony. I would just remind you that Moses, or Abraham, (laughs) Noah, all started their work late in life, and did great things for God in their waning years. Um, It's something to think about what about what about chair number number two? Uh, the 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 chair of uh, of compromise. I I, I did want to uh, mention uh, in, in waning years we have a story in our family. One of the one of the chair one people in in our family is Aunt Babe. Aunt Babe is my mom's um, uh, aunt, my mother's aunt, my great aunt. She was pastor's wife. Her husband was the pastor of Little Country Church, Cory Grove. Her husband died, leaving her with four children. And it turned out that the Little Church at Cory Grove called her to be the pastor. And she served for years and years in that congregation, and then another. And, And my mom visited her just a few months before her death, one or two years ago now. She was in a nursing home, and she told my mom, she says, Oh, how the little girls need Jesus. Now she's talking about the aides and the nurses in her, in her care. And she says, I think this is my best ministry ever. In the nursing home at the end of her life, wanting and able to minister to the people who were serving her. You know, uh, there's no necessary retirement. And God has something for every person in Chair 1. Uh, to do, so let's talk about chair two. Now this is a, this is a little dicey because because the person in chair two is liable to think more of themselves than they ought. <laughs> okay, uh, uh, but the the problem is compromise. One of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis. One of his his quotes is is he says Christianity can be anything but moderately important. <laughs> it, it, you know, if it's if it's one thing among other, if it's a good idea, if a, that's a that Bible, that's a heck of a book, yeah, boy, yes, siree. You know, no, you know, that's not what we're, we're, uh, we're looking at. It's the it's the compromise. Have we cooled down? Have we mixed it in with something else? You know, um, you, when are you praying? And searching the scriptures. Uh, Where are you when others are gathering for worship? What are you doing when people gather for supportive Christian fellowship? Or where are you, you know, what are you doing when you should be serving or tithing? Uh, You know, the the key to getting out of chair two is to find one thing that we can, that we're compromised on, and to turn away from it. When we turn away from it, we'll find ourselves directly facing Christ in that first chair. You know, um, one of our, uh, Sue and I have her father who has lived with us for seven, six, seven years. And, uh, and, and, and when we have need, we have a caregiver who comes into our house. She's a member of our church. Her name's Jan. And the story goes like this, is that, that Jan, who's a, also a hair a stylist, a, a, she's a, at work and she's in a meeting and she's getting a ton of pressure to work Sundays. And, and uh, they're coming back and coming back and you gotta pull your weight and blah, blah. And, and she basically says this, but I can't, it's the only day my church gathers for worship. Now, what a simple statement and, and what a resistance to compromise. Her co-worker, Ariana, an immigrant, from uh, Ukraine, knew something about Jesus, and she knew that he must be good, but she hadn't met a Christian yet. And, and so when, when Jan says, I, I can't work when I need to worship, Ariana says, I thought that is what a Christian would be like and 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 Ariana came with Jan to our church as they've connected in in a wonderful way she's confessed Christ and I heard this story at her baptism how wonderful it is you know we don't know how just standing up for something simple which maybe could be bargained or compromised away may make a difference to others The, the third is the tough one. and It's the it's starting place. And, and for the person in the third chair who knows not God, knows not his works, I would never, ever, ever ask you to become chair number two. It doesn't work that way. We, we, don't, we, we don't have to do this. We don't want to, to go there. And in so many ways, new believers that maybe you have known have gone right to chair one. Isn't it wonderful? And this is what God wills. And this is never part of his plan. This is our human problem. In our community, we have Asians and Indians and and Arabs. And and we don't have so many Arabic people. I can't think of any, any Arab or Muslim people that have come to faith. I can't think of any. But we do have folks from India or Pakistan. And and one of those guys just was baptized recently. His name is his uh, uh, Funindra, but his nickname is Funny. So he just his young man is, we call him Funny. And um, and when Funny um, confessed Christ, and because of the language issues and so on, we have a we we have a a, um, a man from India on our staff, and and so they're talking, and he's being counseled toward baptism and so on, and. And then I had a chance to to meet Funny and talk with him. And the thing that I was most interested here in in with Funny is is this a decision to accept Jesus as Lord and reject the hundreds or maybe thousands of gods that different Hindus uh, worship? And he was rock solid. Oh yes. Oh yes. And his mother, so Funny's mother calls. He tells mother, we, we videoed his baptism, his testimony, he's sharing it, you know. And, and, he, and I says, How, how's it going with your family? And they're back in India. And uh, his mom, he says, well, my mom says, Funny, why would you leave our family gods? And here's, here's what his, his answer was. He says, our gods do not love me. And our gods have never answered my prayers. Uh, friends, can I just tell you, among all the religions of the world, we have found the truth, the way, and the life. Uh, have confidence. Uh, be courageous. Be, be bold. This isn't one among many. This isn't, a, this isn't a variety of religion that's uplifting. This is the gospel of, of eternal salvation, and 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 these people know it so well; they feel it, they're experiencing it every day. These people know about it, and and may they may they reject their compromise, and may they return to the place where the Joshua generation has found God's blessing. So. You know, Bayshore Camp has been uh, one of these places for, uh, for, for me to reflect, uh, to, to see myself in the mirror, to compare my life about, uh, against those who I have admired that have gone on before me or, or those who are in my, of my own age or younger that are on fire with commitment for God and to decide to change. So friends, as we conclude this service, let me, let me just make this invitation tonight at the very beginning of, uh, of uh, this encampment. Uh, let me encourage you to open your heart to, if you're in chair one, what is, what is the next thing? What, is, what, what would God call you to, to invest in, to, to be employed for, to, to believe for, uh, to, to work toward, to be obedient in for him? You know, may you not die with a a 20-year-old testimony. May they say at your funeral, well, just last week he was doing this and that. You know, Uh, if you're in chair number two, if, if, if this faith in following Christ has been a good thing among other good things, but you realize now that that's far from the way that God has blessed those others like Joshua, like David, like Daniel, like Joseph, like Paul, like Peter. Uh, uh, name that one thing. Name something that you've, you've compromised on, that you're willing to go back, you're willing to change your mind, you're willing to, to turn away from. It's hard to, to, to do everything at once, but to do one thing and then another is the way so many people make spiritual progress. And then the, the third thing is this, is. If you have never truly, like Funindra, like, like Ariona, have, have, have made a decision to receive Jesus for your salvation and made a, a commitment to follow him and him alone as Lord to lead you all the way to be with him in heaven, I invite you to make that confession of faith even tonight. Let us pray. God, we pray that you will... Uh, Help us to be like that Joshua generation. And that the, the, the compromises that seem small or maybe necessary or normal, that you would call them out by your, the work of your spirit in our lives even now as we pray. Maybe not many things, maybe one. Uh, to make one faithful choice and, and then another and then another. May we become a generation uh, that you bless like Joshua's people. And, and, uh, and I pray for that uh, person that may not have made that firm, final choice to receive Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, for the salvation of their soul, for the, for the promise of their purchase in heaven. I ask that they should do that even now as we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. Friends, uh, as is our habit, as uh, as we uh, as we reflect on this, I invite you to come to this altar. I think of the altar as a meeting place with God. I think of it as uh, uh, where we come together, and we make our move, and He makes His move, and we find ourselves at one place with Him uh, to uh, to uh, to speak uh, our mind. Amen.